Galatians 6, chapter verse 14. This is the verse that just kept coming to me over and over and over again. And with that verse, the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. So let's read. I'm reading from the New King James Version, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's just pray once again. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would give us ears to hear this morning for everyone, that they might hear the message of the cross, that they might understand the message of the cross, and that they might believe the message of the cross this day. So Father, help us, I pray. Pour out Your Spirit upon us, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. But God forbid that I should boast. Put the second verse of that when I survey up for me. Forbid it, Lord that I should boast, save in the cross of Christ my Lord. I wonder where he came up with that, huh? All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. I don't know the exact time frame of this. I think this was some 200 years ago. I'm not sure. I didn't look it up. But uh, apparently, for Isaac Watt, there was also things back in his day that was tempting and charming to try to draw us away. And that's what that's talking about. What things are keeping us from seeing the cross? What things are trying to draw us to the things of this world instead of to things above and the glory of Jesus Christ and the cross? (laughs) That I should boast, King James says, glory Uh, The Greek word translated as boast means to exalt, to glory, to rejoice, to boast in, to joy over. So why? Why should that be the exaltation of our heart, the cross? Why, Why should we? Because the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross is the source from which flows every believer's righteousness and acceptance before God. That's why. Everything we owe to Christ and for what He has done on the cross. Apart from the death of Christ on the cross, sinners get nothing but judgment. Apart from the cross of Christ, there is only condemnation. But in Christ, for the born-again believer, our salvation, our righteousness, our acceptance before God is owing to the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. His blood shed for the remission of sin. And I pray that we might understand the depths of what Paul is saying. All our boasting, all our rejoicing should flow from the source of the cross of Jesus Christ because it was there that all our blessings were purchased at a tremendous cost the death of God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. His blood paid the penalty for the sin of all who would believe. And there is no other way 
Is there another way to God? Many people think there are. Are they right? No. <laughs> Do not be afraid to stand firm upon the truth of God's Word. If, if you should ever get in a conversation, so, so you think there's only one way to Christ, so you think uh, Muslims aren't going to heaven. No, I don't. Unless they believe in Christ, the Son of God, and His payment for sin. So, well, what about this group or that group? Stand firm on what the Word of God says. Don't be shy about it. Oh, well, well I, I, I don't want to seem unloving. Let me ask you this. What's the loving thing to say someone who is caught up in a false religion? Is it to say, oh, well, well that's okay. Uh, I hope that all works out for you. Is, is that the loving thing to do? No. The loving thing to do is to tell them about the cross of Christ so that they may be rescued from the flames. So never be ashamed. The Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that I would never be ashamed, that you would never be ashamed, because Jesus is the only way. There is no other way to God, to heaven. There is no other way except Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the only way. There is no other way to God, no other way of salvation, only Jesus. Peter said this in Acts 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. Not in Muhammad, not in Buddha, not in any other. There, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's the only way. It's the only way. No other name, no other way. Paul said this to the Galatians. Let's go to Galatians. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Paul gets to the heart of why he's writing this letter very quickly. I marvel, Paul says. <laughs> I, I'm dumbfounded. I, I can hardly believe what I'm hearing about you guys. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him. And who's the Him? It's Christ. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. I marvel that you've turned from the gospel of Christ to a different gospel. Verse 7, which is not another, <laughs> because there is no other. That's why Paul said that. Because there is no other which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. How do we see that today? Yes. They're preaching a different Christ. The Christ that matches 
what their, the founder of their religion is telling them. You see. Verse 8. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And then, to emphasize the importance of what he just said, he repeats it again. Anytime you hear something repeated, it's important. Do you know that? So what did he say? Uh, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. And before God the Father, unless He changes His way, He will be accursed for all eternity. There is no other way. There is no other gospel than Jesus and Him crucified. Paul was hoping the Galatians would understand it. He closes his letter this way. Let's go to Galatians 6. This is uh, verses 11 through 13, right before our opening verse, verse Uh, 14 in chapter 6 of Galatians. This is right before that. Look at this. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand! Exclamation mark. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Now, this is what I believe. If I've... You can, you can look in my notes. And if there's something I want to make sure I emphasize, I hit the, I, I, I hit the, uh, the lock button to, to the uppercase and, and put it in uppercase. And I can't help but believe that Paul is writing this and he goes uppercase. Because this is important. And there's a lot of people that's got other ideas on that, but that's what I believe. And it seems that way. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Understand this. See this. Don't miss this. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. This is those that was coming and distorting the gospel. That's who he's talking about. These would compel you to be circumcised. Let me pause there again. What what are they trying to teach? Oh, well, yeah, you're in Christ, but you need to come back into your Judaism and and get circumcised so that they want Christ plus Christ plus this and this and this. See, that's all other religions. Kevin talks about this a lot. All other religion is plus this, do, 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 instead of done. Instead of done, of what God has done, of what Christ has done. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. Why? Only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law. They can't. No one could perfectly keep it. That's that's why Christ came. But they desire to have you circumcised Why? That they may boast in your flesh. That they could put a notch in in their board 
look, I, I got another. I got another convert. I've got another one. See what? I, I got them. They, they got circumcised. And, and now, and now, they're going to be okay. Preaching another Christ. And, and we know from our study in Romans that the Jews were banking on their Jewish ancestry, weren't they? They, they were banking on their heritage of their Jewishness. But, but our father is Abraham. We, we know our lineage. We're good to go. And, and, and they boasted uh, that it was to them that the oracles of God had been given. Yes. Yes. It was. But does that mean that they're all good to go? No. They, they boasted in their circumcision and their traditions. But, but Paul says, Galatians 6.14, let's put it up now. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not in this tradition or not in this thing I've done. Not in any ritual, but in the cross. And only in the cross. Salvation is through Christ and Him alone. For by grace we have been saved through faith. So it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. It is that. It is that. We are sinners and by nature children of wrath apart from Christ, far from the covenant of promise. But we who believe have been brought near to God. How? How were we brought near? Let's read it again from Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ brought near by what was accomplished upon the cross. You once were, but now you are this. See, that, that's going through Romans, I've been hitting that very hard. Child of God, remember who you are. Yes, we, we, I, I think it's good to, to look back perhaps and, and to see where He has brought us from, what He has saved us from, so that we might give thanks to God for where He has us. But remember, child of God, who you are and face things as a child of God should. Let, let's read Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Every, every child of God in here that was once all of us. We were all once darkness. But now, we are light in the Lord. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. No other way. 
No other way. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it with me. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other fount I know because there is no other fount that can wash away sin but the blood of Jesus Christ. Or in, in Colossians 1, go down now to verses 19 through 22. 19 through 22. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him were the things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled. You see, brought into a right relationship. That's what that's talking about. You once were, but now you are reconciled to God. Yet now He is reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. In the body of His flesh through death. Talking of the cross. His death upon the cross. Let's go to Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14. And you, being dead in your trespasses, and again, that was once all of us, was it not? You know, I, I know I, I come back to Lazarus, and that, that was, we were dead, dead. Uh, we sang that song, And Can It Be? And it talked about the dungeon or the grave. But then a quickening ray came. Then the voice of God called. You see. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of, the, of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him. He made us alive spiritually. He called us to Himself. He called us to everlasting life, to eternal life, to newness of life. He made us alive together with Him, with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses. All trespasses. Do you believe that, child of God? All trespasses, all sins, having forgiven you all, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it, where? Say it. To the cross. To the cross. That, that, there's a verse in it as well that, that, that gets me every time we sing it because it's talking about this very thing. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. 
My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Sing it as well. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. <laughs> is there a truer lyric in a song than that? Because of what Christ has done, it is now well with my soul for the True believer, our sins are covered by the blood of Christ. It's as though our sins were nailed to the cross of Christ. You know, the, the, Paul knew of the great importance of the cross of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul said this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Oh, what, what, what was Paul's message? What did he preach? Well, let, let's back up into 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and this is what he preached, uh, verses 21 through 24. 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 24. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through foolishness did not know God, it pleased God through the foolish, foolishness of the message preached, to save those who believe. Now, now let me stop and pause there. He, he doesn't save because of the preacher. He saves because of the message. It's not the preacher. It's the message. <laughs> it's the message. And I want my message to forever be. As, as John the Baptist Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. May we never stray away from first importance. In all things, Christ and Him crucified. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So what did Paul preach? He preached Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews. They would not receive Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah. And yet today, Judaism denies the deity of Christ. 
And so what does that mean for them? But they were given the oracles. But they were given this. They had this. They had all these things. Without Christ, what does that mean for them? Tell the truth. There's only one way to God the Father. So what does it mean? If they deny Christ, you know what I'm saying. The Greeks, the intellectuals, show me the proof, show me, show me. How many things did Christ show them? Oh my goodness. But all of it to them was what? Foolishness. Foolishness. In verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 1, Paul said this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. (laughs) The power of God. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. So don't be surprised when you try to witness and, and tell someone who is lost about Christ that they shake their head in unbelief and say that's, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's foolishness. How could you believe such a thing? But understand that they are under a different master than you are. That's what we talked about, I think, the last sermon in Romans. Who's your master? They're under a different master until such time that perhaps God might shine the light of Christ on them. So never be surprised at what someone who is lost, what they might say, what they may do. That's all they know to do. 1 Corinthians 2 Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Don't get into some big theological debate with someone who is lost. Tell them, of Christ crucified. That's the message. That's the witness. Don't get off on on some kind of peripherals and boy, they will try to take you to all kinds of different things. Well, let me ask you this. Do you eat shrimp? What? What? Why why would you ask such a thing? See, they've always got something that they're going to bring up. Christ fulfilled the law. And it's Christ. Why are you worried about something like that? Where is your position before God in Christ? That's what we need to be talking about here. Spiritually discerned. I love that lyric. We didn't sing it today. But I'll not forget that the second verse of it goes, Born of the Spirit... Now I can see. Isn't that a great lyric? Because before before we're born of the Spirit, we can't discern spiritual things. It's foolishness to this. But once we're born of the Spirit, see, that's that's when our eyes are opened and, and perhaps all of the things that we've heard, the truth starts flooding in. 
Romans 8, verse 7. Romans 8, verse 7, because the carnal mind, those who are yet lost, the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. Unless God deems it so and calls them. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, we read this, but look at it again. But to those who are called, come. (laughs) Come. Those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. I mentioned this verse earlier. It's Romans 1, verse 16, where Paul said this. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also the Greek. For everyone who would believe. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross is the power of God to salvation. It is the power to save. Who does the Lord save? Well, we've read it. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21, let's look at it one more time. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. See, through their worldly wisdom, it's through spiritual wisdom and discernment that we know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those, you say it, who believe. Who does He save? Those who believe. Do you tire of me asking the question almost every Sunday that I preached, do you believe? Do you see the importance of it? it, it, it the, the answer to that, the true answer of our heart to that, determines our eternal destination. It determines whether we are in Christ or we're still nothing but a, a son or daughter of Adam yet in sin. So I'll ask it again today. Do you believe? Examine yourself, Paul says, as to whether you truly believe. Are you saved? Let's read again John 3 and then in verse, and then in uh, Romans 10. John 3, 14 through 18. For as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So you're either going to be among the perishing or you're going to be among the living. Eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. And I've said so often, it was already condemned. That's why it came. Because it was already condemned. He didn't come to condemn it. He come that He might save some. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Condemned or justified. Believer, unbeliever. Living under a religion of 
do are trusting a, a, a God and a Savior who has done. For those who believe the message of the cross that becomes for them the power of God unto salvation. But for those who do not believe, John 3, verse 36, what a sobering verse this is. Because it tells of the two sides, the two paths, the two ways, the two gates, the two, that there's only two. We talk about it so often because it is very true. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. See, Christ died for our sins on the cross to take upon Himself the penalty for sin, to take upon Himself the wrath of God that was, that, that was for me. But He took it. The wrath of God. And He did that to secure for me, to secure for you, eternal life for all who would believe. Wrath for the unbeliever, but blood-bought mercy for the believer. Wrath for the unbeliever. Mercy for the believer. Romans 5, verse 8 and 9. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath, from wrath through Him. Now, as, as you've read that and heard that many, many times, how often have you considered, as you're reading that, who wrote it? This is Paul. Now, we don't have biblical evidence of where Paul was at the time of the crucifixion. It seems logical that he would be in Jerusalem, but we don't have written account that we can go to. And we know that Paul was a persecutor of the church and he was putting Christians to death that this was later. And we know what God did for him later. But look... Don't you know that he was thinking back to who he was? And don't you think this meant so much to him? But God demonstrates his own love toward me. Put yourself in the verse. And I can only imagine that Paul was putting himself in the verse as he wrote this. But God demonstrated his own love toward me. And that while I, we were still sinners, Christ died for me. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. What are we going to be saved? Saved from what? And it says it over and over, saved from the wrath of God that will one day fall upon all believers. Never forget of what happened on the cross. Our sins nailed to the cross. In, in, in the reality of it, our sins poured out upon Christ. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Talking of Christ, who Himself bore our sins. 
in His own body on the tree on the cross. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whom stripes we are were healed. Again, healed from our condition of sin. This is not, this is talking spiritual healing. This is not talking physical healing. So many people try to make it say something that it's not. Christ died on the cross that we might be saved and forgiven, that we might be in Christ. Second uh, Corinthians five verses seventeen through twenty one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. (laughs) Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is everything we've been talking about, is it not? And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imparting their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Should that not be our? Are are we not ambassadors for Christ? Are we not disciples? Are we not to go out and and to beg and to plead, be reconciled to God? For He, for God, made Him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So our sins imputed to Christ, the sinless one, the one who knew no sin, He took upon Himself the penalty for sin, took upon Himself the wrath of God, and in turn, that great exchange, His righteousness imputed to us. So that one day we'll stand before God the Father, all the born again, all the children of God, clothed in the righteousness, a robe of righteousness not of our own, but by Christ. By Christ. You see, this is why we glory in the cross, is it not? For it was there that Jesus Christ redeemed us by His blood. For God, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to close with this. Uh, and it's, you read uh, some from Lloyd-Jones. Uh, this, this is just a few snippets and ex, uh, excerpts from the cross, the book, The Cross. So Lloyd-Jones, quote, Why? Why glory in the cross? Because it is by this that the world is crucified to me and I to the world. It is the means of my salvation. It is the very way in which I am saved. Our Lord dying on that cross is the very thing that saves us. If He had not died upon the cross, nobody would ever have been saved. There would be no gospel to preach. It is the saving event. It is the act whereby our salvation is accomplished. That is why the Apostle Paul glories in it. That is why Isaac Watts says, when I survey the wondrous cross, it is the thing that saves us, and without which we would not be saved at all. 
Why is the cross the saving event? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus Christ came to this earth to become the perfect, unblemished by sin, sacrificial lamb. John the Baptist had only one sermon, and he kept on repeating it, and it was this, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. All of the sacrificed lambs in the Old Testament were but types and shadows of the perfect lamb that was yet to come. God provided for Himself this perfect Lamb in His own Son. This is what happened on Calvary's tree. God took your sins and mine, and He put them on the head of His own Son. And then He smote Him. He punished Him. He struck Him. He killed Him. The wages of sin, the cost of sin, the penalty for sin is death. So what is happening on the cross was that God Himself was laying your sins and mine upon His own dearly beloved Son and He paid the penalty of our guilt and our transgressions. End quote. May we always remember Jesus Christ and the cross. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, to see the cross. Help us to stand in wonder and marvel at the cross and and what was accomplished for us upon the cross. And Lord, I pray that should there be someone even listening here today or someone who might listen to this sermon later who is yet lost, they are dead in their trespasses and sins. Father, I pray by the truth of Your Word and by the power of Your Holy Spirit that You might call to them, that You might make them alive in Christ. Draw them to Yourself. And Father, grant them faith that they might believe. Grant them repentance as they would cry out as a sinner before You, confessing their sins. Repenting and turning from their sins and and having received Christ, desiring to follow Him the remainder of their days. And Lord, for us who are born again, who are in Christ, help us to do do as Watts said in that song, that all the vain things that tempt me, that Lord, that I could surrender them before the cross. Help us to stand always by the cross. On the old hymn, kneel at the cross. Lord, help us to to humble ourselves before the cross of Christ. And it's in His name I pray. Amen.